2: Hello everybody, welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, and we've got a full house today. In studio, we have David Moore. Say hi, David. Hello, Kevin. Thank you so much for inviting me today. (laughs) And across from us, we have Evan Grant, who said that... He's told us not
3: to bother him, though, Uh, early in the podcast. I'm not not sure sure what that's
1: about. He's reading the paper... He's on his laptop. I'm doing some last-minute prep on my uh, DAC talk.
2: (laughs) Last-minute prep. So, Um, anyway, yeah, speaking of DAC talk. uh, I
1: just want to let you guys know, I've been home less than 12 hours from Arizona. Oh, no. I have been home less than 12 hours. Why are you even here? I'm spending more time with you people. (laughs) I ask that question all the time. With with you people. You people. Than my wife. So, um, have at it. Go ahead. Let's talk you, about that. First of
2: all, you've known us longer than you've known your wife. Well, that's true. Okay. So there you go. I think yeah. it's perfectly justified.
3: Do you not care about bonds, work relationships? Is that meaningless to you? I care about our work. I thought he was, really, talking, about, I thought he was talking about Barry Bonds for a minute. I wasn't <laughs> sure what he, where he was going with that.
1: Uh,
2: so, uh, so out there in the, out there in Indianapolis, uh, Stephen Jones said yesterday that they haven't talked to Dak Prescott since September, or his agents since September.
3: Yeah, uh, and that's not surprising. I mean, I think that was it was the. I think the line was drawn last year. It's, uh, if we're going to get this done, get it done going into the season, if it's not. And Stephen Jones has said they, he felt that they were very close to getting a deal done just before the start of the regular season. But when you get to that point, it, it's not uncommon to say, okay, let's just table this and revisit it. And I think that that's a negotiating ploy. I think that negotiating ploy played uh, in Dak's favor. Uh, by the season he had, I think that a lot of the questions individually about where he ranked as a quarterback, what he could do well, um, you know, some of the biggest criticisms of him. Uh, to, to me, there was an odd disconnect last year because in his first three years in the league, the thing that Dak Prescott always did was he, he won as many football games as any quarterback through the first three seasons in the league. Right. And regardless of how he played, he would make the play late in a game that led to a victory more often than not. Uh, a, a significant enough amount of time where it also that also put him in in the top of, of the quarterbacks in the league. This, but the questions were, well, can he really carry an offense? Uh, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have a good consistent touch on the deep ball. He can't spread defenses. Well, this past year he had far and away his best statistical season. Uh, was one of the best deep ball throwers in the league, one of the most consistent percentages, showed he could carry an offense. Uh, They were unable to win close games late, and and the whole kind of narrative flipped. But from an individual standpoint and a negotiating standpoint going forward, what you wondered whether or not Dak Prescott could do, you saw him do individually last year. And so... Now, that, based with what you saw the first three years, I think certainly strengthened his position in, in how much he's worth to this franchise.
2: Not if you're reading my Twitter feed.
3: <laughs> well, there is that, but those yeah. people are not, fa- again,
1: still very polarizing on it. And, and and it's fascinating because... How many quarterbacks that haven't won a Super Bowl aren't polarizing at this point? You know, Sure, I mean, yeah.
3: A- no, I think you're right, yeah. And... Uh, and that's it with him, but it's and, – and this is – the, the bar is always moving. So he showed last year he has a really good touch on the deep ball, mm-hmm. and uh, he, can, he can stretch a defense vertically, not just horizontally. And then people are going, yeah, but he didn't make plays late in the games. Or, oh, well, he didn't run enough. Or, oh, well, he did this. And um, you're right, that always goes – and to me the interesting thing is Dak is also looking to get paid – as one of the, I'll say, probably two or three highest-paid quarterbacks in the game right now, well, those other quarterbacks that he's in company with have all won Super Bowls, and he has not. Mm-hmm. And, and we've talked about that a little bit before, just how odd it is on this team where usually when your nucleus gets big money, it's because they were together and led you to a Super Bowl or, or a lot of postseason success or, or you know— You've at least shown enough in the postseason where you feel that you're still there challenging. But really, most of them are leading to Super Bowls in the first three or four years of their career. Uh, This team is not. And and it was always betting on what this what this nucleus could provide the franchise versus what they had actually provided the franchise, which is uh, a playoff team every other year and one that gets to the divisional round every other year.
2: You know, I want to veer off a little bit uh, because of what we, you just said about polarizing figures. You know, um, uh, was it last week? I, I, maybe two weeks ago. Two I, weeks ago, I wrote about uh, the 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 five. You know, picking does, is Dak one of the five best quarterbacks. Players? and we lost me there for a little bit, is Dak one of the five best quarterbacks in Cowboys history. So, uh, you know, I went to Gilbrant naturally, right? Guy's been there since the beginning. He's still working. He's unbelievable. He's like 900 years old, and he's still, you know, working all the time. And, uh, and also brought in Babe Loffenberg and Brad Sham for their expertise as well. And so uh, Babe decided he would not vote on Dak because Dak's still playing, which I respected that. You know, he just wanted to, to talk about the other guys. Uh, of course, I have no qualms about that myself. So yeah, so that, really no what the heck? So and and neither did Brad. Uh, and it was interesting, you know. Of course, everybody's top two quarterbacks are are, are Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman in you know, that order. In yeah. that in that order, and they they've won all the Super Bowls, all five Super Bowls. They the uh, victories they they have them, uh, and uh, and it's not even close. But and the the funny thing to me is that when you would say is he one of the best quarter? is Dak one of the best quarterbacks in Cowboys history it was an unbelievable the number of fans who would say that's crazy to say that it's like well, well let's look so so you yeah. got you got those two guys right and everybody said those two guys
1: are unapproachable right. you know
2: Roger and Troy are way up here and everybody else is down here Okay, the next right. group starts down. And then here. the
1: next group is is Meredith and Romo in some order, right? Romo and Meredith.
2: Well, it's interesting because I, I, I didn't put – and I listen, I love Don Meredith. I, I think he's one of the most interesting characters in Cowboys history. You know, I think he was abused by fans in this market. Uh, I think somewhat abused by the Cowboys, and uh, the fact that uh, you and know
3: abused by opposing defenses when he was <laughs> on
2: teams that weren't very good. Oh, guys, okay. just just got yeah. beat up. And that you know, both both uh, Brad and Babe had Meredith three, and they had him three because of what one of the things that Babe said. The two things I look for in a quarterback are a leader and how tough you are. Uh, you know, guys, and and, and do your do your teammates follow you. Well, I don't think there was ever a player more popular with his teammates than Don Meredith. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they loved him to death. Uh, and there was probably few that were tougher than Don Meredith. And,
1: and I'll accept that. I mean, I'd accept either Romo or Meredith three and the other one four, but it then gets down to the well, point of this, which is well, Danny it, White versus Dak. Is that what it comes well,
2: down to? Well, in Babe's words, he thinks that, uh, that Danny White so – Listen, here's the deal, and, and I agree with Brad on this. Brad said – Danny White took them to three NFC championship games in a row, you know. That's pretty good.
3: And it took an iconic play to keep them out of a Super Bowl, which they would have won that year based on you look at the overall, the the catch. I mean he Danny White made a spec you know, got the team down, they went ahead and it took the catch by Dwight Clark to beat right. them in that game. Otherwise they would have gone to the
1: Super Bowl and I
3: that all evidence points to the fact they would have won that Super Bowl. Absolutely, so but
1: I, I also would say that the NFL, the landscape in the NFL, was different in the nineteen in the late seventies and early eighties.
2: Uh, in what way?
1: I think you still had a dynastic, long term stretch of teams that that controlled the league, and you had you had less you had less parity. You had you had fewer teams. And I think the schemes were different, right? I, I don't think that you were asking quarterbacks to do as much in terms of delivering the ball or or making decisions as, as you do now. You know, it's it's a good question. I, I, don't, I mean, I don't Danny know. Danny White had, had Tony Dorsett. Well,
2: but, you know, Dak's got Zeke Elliott. So, you know, and, and Troy had Emmitt Smith. So, right. you, you, you know, you, you're not going to be – look, that's why – that's always the separator for me between Roger and Troy was I felt like Roger made things happen. You know, Roger was an unbelievable. You know, the shame for Roger was not not a shame. I mean, he was serving in the Navy, but you know, his career didn't start until he was five years after. You him. know, twenty-seven, twenty-eight years old. Delayed so, by five years. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, Roger was was would have been great in any offense, no matter. Willingly on him. his part,
3: he wasn't griping. about <laughs> no, he was going. And, yeah. and the
1: and the narrative on Roger was: look, this was he was Captain America, and he was the guy. The the narrative on Troy was the triplets, right? True, and
2: and and what made the Cowboys great to me in the early nineties, that offense great was that it was a machine. That the, they they ran a controlled offense. They didn't really challenge you deep. They they you know they threw it here, they threw it there. They they ran the ball with Emmett. Emmett was the engine of that of that team, no question. Uh, and it all worked together. And when you started taking those pieces out, when Jay Novacek came out, the, the the offense dropped. It wasn't hmm. quite as efficient as it had been before. And then, when you know Michael Irvin's career was over, and then and it really wasn't as good anymore. And then, and then Troy was struggling to lift that offense right. to the level it had been before. Uh, and Got so, but all, the others, ran... all the others,
3: all the others, maintained that if they weren't such a well balanced offense, he could have he could have led the league in passing those years. True, although he I chose I, I... not to. And and it is interesting. <laughs> the the other thing that burnishes his credentials are because and and that's a look. Legitimate narrative because you look at all of their statistical, how where they rank during the regular season, and you'll look at Troy and you'll go, well, Yeah, he's a good quarterback, but he's not, he's not even in the top, you know, oh, he 10 was not a fantasy years. quarterback. You didn't right. want him as your fantasy well, quarterback. But, but, I mean, but, then, I, I, but then you get the postseason, he's throwing for 400 yards or two incompletions in a game, right. and it's like
1: three touchdowns and no interceptions. But I mean, I think if you look, if you look at the quarterbacks and you say, Okay, which of these quarterbacks. Is cap showed the most capability of making game changing plays? Right, it's it's Roger, yeah, mm-hmm. and then probably Tony Romo, probably Tony second. Well, here's the problem for me with with Romo, and and the
2: problem that the the other panelists had was that, uh, uh, and this is what Gil said, and I and, and you know, frankly, I, I left some of the stuff that Gil said out. I didn't want to get Gil... In any trouble with anybody, but Gil's a big boy, so and we'll do it now. We'll do it now, but
1: Gil just said, <laughs> "No, something for the show." In his mind, Tony was too inconsistent. Uh, I, I can't. I think that's what eliminates Tony in my mind from being one of the all-time great quarterbacks. Right? I mean, Favre was Favre made great plays, but also made some some really bad inter, interceptions. Sure. But took that team to but rose to the Bowl occasion after enough Super Bowl. to right. wear. Yeah, right. And that's
3: where and Tony and again, couldn't. Yeah, and this to me is always interesting when, when when you're debating this, and and I always think that that Danny White is ignored in this <laughs> overall conversation by and large because I'll talk to people and I understand it's a generational thing, but I'll talk to people who's like, oh, Tony Romo's so much better than Danny White. He is. Yeah. L- let's look at what they did. Right. You know, in the post, let's look at what they accomplished and. Uh, and that's not to minimize Tony, but there's just this belief that, well, look at the
1: numbers. His numbers are so much better.
3: Well, yeah, and they were—they're th- throwing 15 times a game. Everybody's that, that, numbers.
1: I mean, that—that that to me is the thing. Again, you know, you—you you look at you look at different eras. You look at how players were were measured in their specific yeah. era, and then if you try to measure them by this era and how they're performing against the other, it's. I, I, I think whether whatever the sport is, I, I think you you run into some unfair kind of comparisons mm-hmm. uh, I, I, but at the same time i also i also wonder how much bias there is in the idea that well since you were the quarterback of an of a team that went to the NFC championship or you were the quarterback of a team that went to the Super Bowl sure. that that somehow automatically elevates you but i do think it i do think in the court of public perception it does whether it sure. does or doesn't factually I think in a court of public perception, it does. And I also think one other thing, we are in an era now where, you know, we remember Danny White, and sure, we remember yeah. Roger Staubach, and everybody would say to you, okay, Boomer. Get over it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, there is, there is I think, more uh, disregard for what happened 30, 40 years ago across the sports a, a landscape than ever, than ever before. I, that, I, I just don't think, I, I, I don't <laughs> think people give that nearly as much, um uh, as much gravity as I, as I think it should, because hey, it, hey, the memories you, aren't fresh and they didn't have it. It wasn't, you know, 24 seven. Like you can, you, if Dak makes a great play, how many times are you going to see yeah. that play in the 24 hours after and it read happens. about it having yeah. enforced on social media and not just and again this
3: gets back to you know you mentioned that and, and kind of the the corporate knowledge if you will there are 24 25 year old sports fanatics in this town who go what is his obsession with the cowboys they've they right. they've never been to an nfc championship game in my lifetime why right. why are people still talking about them about you know they, how they're dominant in the market why
1: yeah you know I do, and i do wonder like the the, the 24 or 25 year old nfl fan who grew up in middle america or on one of the coasts i wonder how they view the perception of the cowboys now because at no point in time in their lives have the cowboys been in any way form dynastic i you know no. I, but, still,
3: but they've been still
2: america's team well, yeah, they're, they they're, build
1: themselves. I don't, re, I don't hear it very much well, anymore.
2: If you go to any any stadium in America, any game, I'm just well, on jersey you,
3: sales they're, and everything. They're, right. they're all over the place. And, but, but to me, what they become, they become the Kardashians of the NFL. So <laughs> they're, they're popular for being popular. People, yeah. right. people take a side on and them, they have large and it, butts. it has nothing to do with oh, competitive. God, why, why would you introduce that,
2: that into a very
3: nuanced conversation?
2: L- let me kind of draw. My this.
3: oh my! Since
2: you've just steered us off the rails here, can I draw this back? Of the original point of all this was yes, golly. Oh well,
3: let's let's who, say who has the best butt of a Cowboys quarterback in
1: history. Is that, boy, is that what right. everyone wants Adam to know? Going. David <laughs> David had some point going, and then Kevin just decided. Well, let me let's steer this to my column. No, we're going to talk about <laughs> it was because of what these guys said is about Dak. Before you started your whole thing about this are whole they really Cowboys about Dak?
2: Now back off. Yeah,
1: is. <laughs> These. It was about what Dak thinks about me, Kevin Cherry.
2: These guys, these guys uh, had had uh, Meredith third. I did not have Meredith in my top five. The reason I didn't was because uh, I I felt like it. Don threw too many interceptions. He took too many chances. To me, what what Babe said was that uh, that Tony and Danny were the same guy, same quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I I you know listen. Babe knows a thousand times more about quarterbacks than I do, and what makes them. Uh, but I always felt like that, in in some ways, uh, Tony and uh, and uh, Don were most alike mm-hmm. because because of the risks, the risk they took risks, you know. And they were they were happy to do that. The the difference between them, and this is one of the reasons why, and this is important, is that this is why uh, Babe and Brad, and specifically Gil ranked uh, Dak or like I guess Babe did but but the the Gill ranked Dak third, third in Cowboys history is because he's he thinks he's a leader. He said this is the guy if I'm starting a team, this this is the guy I'm starting with over Meredith, over Romo, over Danny White. Because of the qualities, because of the qualities I saw that he had at Mississippi State when he lifted that team to number one in the country for a while, which he said that was a phenomenal. And if you ask anybody, a phenomenal feat to get Mississippi State ranked number one uh, for 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 a couple of weeks. Right. Uh, and uh, and that was that. And I think that this is what fans don't realize and what they take for granted with Dak is the of all the abilities, availability is the most underrated. Yes, you know. always. It, it, he's out there every week. So I right. still
3: maintain it's what set sets Emmett Smith apart and makes him the best. Why he's the leading rusher in NFL history. Yeah, durability uh, is the most boring of the yeah. qualities in a great athlete.
1: But it, but I mean reliability. And you talk, you talk to athletes, um, and I've had this conversation with Michael Young a number of times. And this was a guy who was exceptionally durable. Never, never went on the DL in his mm-hmm. career. And he's proud of that, and, yeah. he, and he's proud of players who suit up and play 150 games a year. They play hurt. Durability is an asset. There um, are always legitimate reasons not to play, you and, can, and
3: this is not looking for a reason. You always have legitimate reasons not you to You can count
1: on guys, right? You know yeah. what you can count on. And, and this is – coaches want predictability. They want to, They want to know when their guys are there, and they want to know what their guys are going to do. Um, that takes some of the some of the variable out. Uh, yeah, reliability and durability are, are two or one. Um, I think exceptional talent. And and yeah, I mean Dak has been on the field. He's you know.
2: Well, look look at
1: they the. threw
3: five. I think five hundred and sixty seven. Cowboys threw five hundred and sixty seven passes last year. He threw five hundred sixty six of them. Yeah. Randall Cobb threw the other. <laughs> I mean Cooper I, Rush does not even get out there.
1: I, I, I and. and and I you know I think late in in Tony's career that was clearly an issue was how much he could stay on the field and uh, uh, he took a lot of he took a lot of bad hits that really impacted his career um Roger took a lot of hits over the course of his career that impacted his career I think um
2: Roger had a lot of concussions and he played with them it's yeah. an amazing story yeah uh, we're not I'm not sure how and that comes, That was well, so did Aikman. Mean. So did Aikman, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but the
1: absolutely. story you always heard about Roger in the seventies, and, and this is from somebody who was growing up in a market elsewhere, you know, when information was limited, was the number of concussions. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I listen. I, I think it's, I, I think it is a testament to the Cowboys that you can make an argument for six really good quarterbacks to rank in their top five. Um, and
2: that's not even counting guys like Craig Morton. Who went on to have a pretty big Very career, yeah. you know. It was a really good player. Uh, you know, Jerry Rome, who was a good, was a good player, uh, good quarterback. The guys that they drafted and trading, as Kill pointed out, Steve DeBerg right. drafted mm-hmm. him in the 10th round, right? Or 10th or 12th round, uh, and, and and let him go after a year. The Cowboys <laughs> back in those days were big about drafting quarterbacks. We're gonna we're gonna draft one pretty much every other year, uh, and sometimes they would draft two in a year. And of course, that's when the when the draft was deeper and had ten or twelve right? And again,
1: that's a, to me, that's again, you know, a different. The Cowboys, in, in a lot of ways, when it came to scouting and drafting, had an advantage like the, the Los Angeles Dodgers did for a long, long time. In terms sure. of, they had created a competitive advantage with their scouting system, and they they mined that and and they got that. and And now, parity exists in that level because of the combine, because of everything that that. Uh, that goes into the whole process of evaluating and drafting and, and the lack of rounds. So you can't go out and necessarily steal somebody late. They've done better, you know, what they do better now and what mm-hmm. sort
2: of what they did with Tony Romo, who's a free agent. So they have done a great job. I think what the Cowboys, and that's an underrated uh, area too, they've done a great job with in free undrafted, agents, free agents, un, yeah. undrafted free agents, finding guys who can come in and play and, and do something for you uh, much better in the Will McClay era uh, of doing that. But that was the problem for, you know, There, there was an uh, there was a period of about, I think ten or twelve years, where they didn't draft a quarterback at all, right? Nowhere, you know, which is crazy, you know. Uh, And 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 Jerry's thinking always was, I got a quarterback. Why do I want to draft one? I don't want to waste a pick on a guy who's never going to get on the field because I got a Hall of Famer as my quarterback.
1: Who did you guys? Did you also have? I just out of curiosity, did you have a conversation about who was the worst quarterback in Cowboys history? Uh, There's some competition for that. Well, I mean, I
2: mean, uh, if you look at uh, the, the
1: only names that come to my mind would be Palure and Quincy.
2: Oh, I don't know. I, if you, I mean, you you go back into the the '60s, and you know, there's some there were some guys back then. I mean, but the the thing about the Cowboys is, is that uh, they've starting from the very beginning. Eddie LeBaron wasn't a bad quarterback. No, he wasn't. And and then and then Meredith took over for him. And the thing and, is and that then did... took over for him, and then Stallback. You know, the other thing for me and on White, Meredith, that's it's just, a pretty good run
1: on this conversation. The other thing for Meredith, I mean Don, took them to the brink of the Super Bowl at a time when that was really, really difficult. And
2: yeah, you're not, and his playoff record's not good. But also to get in the playoffs back then, just, you just to get in, yeah, you're just getting in. You're getting in the NFC Championship game. Right. So that that's that's the the, the situation uh, that he endured. And, and of course, he retired at thirty. And that was one of the things that Gil said as well. He said if if Don had stayed. He would have. He probably would have been. Longevity is another. Yeah, they, and and that's so, a legitimate
3: reason not to include him.
2: Yeah, that's higher right.
3: if you want to. I mean, there. They, and that's why. Again, that's why the conversation really starts at three. Yeah, it's not one. Well, at that, two. that's what yeah. it starts at yeah. three. Absolutely. And, now, and, you when you've got quarter- you
1: quarterbacks who have won multiple Super Bowls, okay, they're on a different yeah. level. I, and I, I know what I've said about you know sometimes I think we. Overestimate the Super Bowls, but when you've got guys who have won multiple Super Bowls, yeah, okay, I, I give you that. Um To bring this back around, though, well, so real do- quickly, you we're Real
3: quickly, you—they were talking about Meredith's leadership. Dak Prescott has that sort of leadership. I well, mean, you see how the guys in the room interact with him, how he interacts with them, and not just the offensive players, the defensive players. He makes a point of, of having a relationship with the defensive players as well. There'll be days where you walk in there and you'll see him talking uh you know to DeMarcus Lawrence or you'll see him in a conversation with another guy. Uh, I've had other players tell me that when he'll go in, he'll make a point of like, "Oh, well I haven't, you know, I haven't touched base with this guy lately." So he'll go work out with that guy in the room or or say, "You know, hey, let's, you know, let's okay, let me grab a safety and let's go to lunch and, and see, that, see uh, what those guys are thinking about what's going on."
1: You know, I think too often people people look at a a film clip, um, of a guy yelling. Whether it's whether it's something on the sidelines of a guy yelling, or if it's something from the HBO show or yeah. or whatever, and determine that's what constitutes leadership, right? And, Especially in football, football yeah. a very
3: in your face. If you're not challenging, yelling at someone, you're not really motivating. Them, but it is, you
1: know? it, it is. I mean, there's so much that goes into it, and stuff that we. We don't see and can't fully illustrate for for readers behind the scenes, in which it is about uh, often being a spokesman for your team, and there is a burden that goes with that. Uh, being a guy who is willing to bring the team together to to cross the aisles, if you will, between you know the offense and the defense. Um, and well, it's and, just
2: about being a guy you believe in, right? And he, and here's the thing that I was I was told a couple years ago, when in Dak's rookie season uh, and Tony was out, and Dak got to start, and then he ran off that great record, mm-hmm. and it was time for Tony to come back. Tony was healthy now, and the Cowboys elected not to go back with Tony. They stuck with uh, with uh, uh, Dak. I was told that there wasn't a peep from the players about that. No. What, is it, what does that tell you? Uh, they believed in him. They believed in him, and they believed in him more than they believed in Tony.
1: All right, I, I want to I move this just real quickly, I mean, because the conversation started with Dak and, and the contract. So, David, just for everybody to simplify this, when will these guys talk again, do you expect?
3: Well, there will be some sort of conversation at the combine in Indianapolis this week. I don't know that I would call it substantive. I think it would be, look, you know, we want to get this done. We know you want to get it done. Um Are we still roughly, are you still roughly in the same place? And when we talked in September, is that moved? We need to, you know, let's set this up and let's set up, you know, a a series of conversations to have here going forward. So um, I think more than anything substantive in the next few days is going to be, okay, once this is over, we know we're staring at this March. Now it's March 12th deadline. You can move it back two days before you apply the tag. Um, Let's look at that. And, and that's not even a hard and fast as far as anyone should get concerned. Uh, to me, the date where you get concerned is if he's not signed by April 6th, which is the start of the off-season program, uh, because they get to start two weeks earlier because they have a new head coach. If there's not a deal in place by April 6th and there's not an understanding that, well, Dak's going to show up and take part in the offseason program, to me that is really the hard and fast date. And, and even from there, you have – then you, you fast forward to July, where I think it's July 15th or something like that. He has to – if he hasn't, doesn't have a long-term deal, he has to sign the uh, franchise tag or, or he just can't play mm-hmm. this year. So, look, he, he's going to play this year. But in my mind, really, I, I would circle April 6th because even, even if they have to use the franchise tag on him, March 12th, um, that gives them three weeks in there to, to still negotiate before there's any tangible, uh, tangible negative effect to him not being under contract. But right? if he's not, but, but, but. See, he doesn't have to sign the franchise tag. Now they no. can, they can give him the franchise tag. Most players would not sign the franchise tag. Now, even though the offseason is voluntary, uh, except for one mandatory, uh, mini camp, um, your quarterback's got to be there when you're installing, when you have a new coaching staff and you're installing uh, n- new wrinkles to the offense. Uh, and, and you know, we talked about this before. Ezekiel Elliott's leverage was not being there to start the season. Whether or not he didn't expose himself to extra wear and tear in training camp was really no big deal because they weren't going to run him that much anyway. And he was around in the off season to pick up what they wanted to do offensively for all the installation. So his leverage came you know their fear was well are we going to hurt our team by not having him in uniform to start the season the fear and the leverage that Dak prescott has is well if we have to use a franchise tag and he doesn't sign it and he doesn't come to our offseason program how far behind does that put our offense mm-hmm. now i know you can you can narrow it and say well he's also hurting himself because he's not putting himself in position to have a good season and then that's going to hurt his contract going forward because he's not going to have as good of a season. If you want to narrow it down to those lines and look at it, fine. But I'm telling
1: you, Dak has all the leverage here in this, oh, all of the leverage. Well,
2: there's no question about that.
1: All right, well, we've got to get out of here. We've got about 60 seconds. I just want I want 15 seconds from each of you guys on what's your initial reaction to the proposed 17th game and, and how that will be compensated is. You know,
2: there, there's always going to be more games. It's, it's an amazing thing to me in the NFL that uh, you know, there's just no regard. In, in, in baseball, it's been 154 games and 162 games, and that's it. You know, uh, you, know, there's, you know, there's an idea maybe you should go less, but not more. And in, in football it just keeps going up because the owners just want more money. You know, yeah, they're, I, they're making money. They want to make more money. Yeah. If they want to go to 17 games, that's fine with me. The thing that makes me crazy with the players is that they don't ask for the right things. They don't ask for the things that for their, you know, they don't ask for lifetime health care. You know, these are the things you should be negotiating for. And they're and they're one of the actual things that came up. Well, they was,
3: asked, but it's not real high on their list. It's not no. high.
2: One of the things that's on their list is better visitors locker rooms. Yeah. I mean, that that's unbelievable to me. And I, I having kind of stuff having gone
1: through this with the last CBA and MLB, you know, when when players ask for that, owners just snicker, and it's like, uh, oh, sure, yeah. yeah. All right, David, what do you think yeah, we'll about you that. Yeah, what do you think about the the idea of how the compensation would be capped at what two fifty a game?
3: Yeah, um, and, and that's something I think they can still play around with. But to to me, what's happening here is you put this out and you vote on it and you want to win the court of public opinion do fans even when they talk about safety do most fans want to see 17 games sure i'd like yeah. to see another game do fans want to see more playoff teams because that's a chance of their team being in sure you're bringing interest in more, more. so so they're hit they're highlighting those aspects of it which are more cosmetic and not you know, which is why the the players looked at it initially and went, "Wait a minute, this doesn't. Why does this make sense for us?" Sure. I, I, I think, I think all of this is designed to put public pressure on the players uh, because they have some things in there that that you know it's like, really, that's one of the things that you're, you're drawing a line in the sand on, and the more more and more people are going to be talking like, "Well, look, you can be man. Why would you be against seventeen games? Why?" Mm-hmm. And, and just let that public pressure. Work on the players in addition to their negotiating and uh, and the unknown of like well you could wrap all this up now and and maybe it's not the deal you want but you can wrap all this up you know who's going to be free agents you 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 know all the all the financials are, are set so you know what everyone is dealing with it's going up for everybody uh, would you rather go into an uncertain climate now and and you know what maybe you're going to have to give up one of these things uh, maybe you're going to have to give up our our policy toward uh, marijuana mm-hmm. going forward. Do you, you want us to go back where we were? Well, I mean, we're going to have
1: to get something in return. Right. I, I, I'll tell you, public relations. Or, I'll tell you maybe. what the owners are getting in return. They're going to get a whole lot more money. That's what they're going to get in return. Sure. And yeah, I, absolutely. I, I've got, I've got an issue with the league going to seventeen games. I, I, I think that um, in this day and age, even though I'm, I'm captivated by the NFL every Sunday and it's, it's great entertainment and everything. I kind of bite my lip because I know. The injuries, and I know what these guys are putting their bodies up against. And
2: well, this is why that the the rosters need to increase, but they're not talking about them increasing. Yeah, just a few, just a couple of players. It should be, you know. Here's the crazy thing to me is that you play 16 games already plus the playoffs, and you got a 53 man roster. You know. Meanwhile, in colleges, they've got eighty-five kids on these sure. rosters to play twelve games. And exactly. I just, you know, it, the they don't whole want idea. It
3: cost that much,
2: and and actually, the players don't want to
3: expand to that much either because then that's less, it that's dilutes less their money cut. Yeah, the less money for them. So yeah. I, I, that's that's and less my money for their pensions going forward. Right. I've
1: got real issues with the idea that you're going to subject these guys, especially if if the idea of and, and if you're going to cap compensation for them. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not going to go into some kind of much more in-depth post-football aftercare for these players. It's um, hard
3: to see the players voting for the proposal yeah. as it stands right now. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and, you know, I know we need to break here, but but there's also this element, and, and I think you hit on it. We have this element, it's with everything, it's like, wow, this is... This game is great, or this is like, you know, this sport or this, this product is, is wonderful, but what if we had just a little bit more of it? Because we like it so much. What if there was just a little bit more, or, or, or you did this with it instead? And, and sometimes you hit the sweet spot, and mm-hmm. any, once, once you move out of it, uh, you only diminish the, the, the interest, the intensity, and uh, the, the quality of the product. And, yeah. and that's what, uh, yeah, can, can the NFL get a lot more money? By adding a game, sure. Is that going to be in their best interest? What happens when you start staging all of these games—the seventeenth game on neutral sites internationally—and there's a soft interest, and there's no crowd, and then people point to, well, you know that you know attendance drops for the first time, average attendance drops for the first time. I mean, there there are just a a lot of other factors. You can, when you have something that's strong, there's always an inclination of, well, it can get better. And it it can in some ways, but but that doesn't always mean it has to grow to get better. Maybe mm-hmm. you just do something different within the confines of what you're working with. Yeah. And, and I think that's where the NFL really needs to step back and say, "Look, do we really need 17? We, we've already we already play now from Thursday through Sunday, and and we've already talked about the Thursday games and the Thursday Monday, Monday games. Yeah. Monday and the Monday
1: game has lost its importance and mm-hmm. and its place I, in society." All right, well, I, I think we should get on out of here. Um, we uh, I probably exceeded our 30-minute hard limit. but Good job. Um, it was a good call. Co- Way to ride herd. Good, right good yeah. talk. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for Cowboys Talk. Um, we will see you, everybody, next week.
2: See you, everybody.
1: everybody. We will visit with you all next week. Um, uh, and I will actually be here for that before I hop on my plane to go back to Arizona. And... Um, Uh, We've got some Ranger talk coming up for you next. So, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the
2: Ballsy with a Z Podcast.
3: Until next time, sports fans,
2: we'll see you.